I have the privilege often as a pastor to talk with people about the churches that they go to. Some, sometimes I'm talking with people that are looking for a new church. Sometimes I'm talking with people that are just in the community that they talk with me and they are telling me about the church that they go to because as a pastor, it's very important that I know that they do go to church. And so they, they will talk with me about that. But, but it's interesting to me how people decide where they will go to church. Where, what congregation they will participate in. And so I've heard all kinds of things. I go here because that's where my parents went. I go over here because the worship is amazing. I go over here because the preacher just puts out a message like nobody I've ever heard before. I go over there because it's big and I can hide. I go over here because it's small and intimate and everybody knows everybody and loves everybody. Just lots of different reasons. And this morning, I want to look at 1 Peter with you in chapter 5 and see what I think... That is, what I have been convinced is the criteria for determining what kind of a church you go to, which church you go to. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're starting in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherds appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." He begins by saying, I, so, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Now, remembering that last week we were talking about the sufferings, right? That you shouldn't be surprised when you are suffering, when you're dealing with all kinds of challenges and issues, particularly the issue of people attacking you because of your faith. People insulting you or not treating you well because of your faith. And so now he says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. That's a great context for elders to be encouraged, right? Because there's so much suffering going on, because there's so much potential for God's people to suffer, therefore, I want to encourage you, elders. I want to challenge you. I want to exhort you. He says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory of what is, of, that is going to be revealed. So here, Peter is connecting with them. He's not saying, look, I'm an apostle, and so let me tell you how things are. Instead, he says, I want to appeal to you, to exhort you, to encourage you, my fellow elders, because I am an elder with you. He could have said a lot of different things, but he wants to connect with them first and say, I am also an elder in the church with you. And so he connects with them. And then he says, and I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I walked with Christ and I saw the way that Christ suffered. So with the expectation that there's going to be suffering for God's people and persecution for God's people, and having seen the sufferings of Christ and the way that they turned against Him, as a fellow elder with you, I want to appeal to you, I want to sync these two things together, because together we are partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
Together we are going to anticipate this future time when Jesus will come again and there will be great glory and we're going to partake in that together. It's not happening yet. There's suffering and persecution now, but I want to remind you that this this glory is coming. We are going to get there. I've seen the suffering of Christ. I've seen the resurrection and victory of Christ. I know that the glory is coming and so I'm appealing to you as a fellow elder here. Here we go. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I want to challenge you elders, he says. Those of you who are leaders in the church, I want you to shepherd people. Those who are among you. Now, as we are getting into this, I recognize that not all of you would consider yourselves to be elders. And so as he is exhorting and challenging elders, you might have already checked out and gone, this isn't for me. And I want to challenge you and say, no, this is for you. And I want to give you uh, three reasons that this is for you before we actually get into this. First... You ought to know what is expected of the leaders, even if you are not currently one. You ought to know what is expected of the leaders. Second, this is the criteria by which I think you should determine whether or not this church is right for you. Are they doing, is the leadership doing what God has called the leadership of the church to do? And third, if this is the kind of thing that God is calling the elders in the church to, this is how He expects leadership at every level to take place. So whether you are leading a life group, or the whole church, or a Sunday school class, or your family, at any level that you happen to be leading, this is the way in which God expects His people to lead. This is the way that leadership will be done. And so I don't want anybody to check out and go, oh, oh, this is for Rick and for Andy and Travis. The rest of us can, can check out for the rest of the sermon. Or at least until we get down to younger people, because I know you all identify with younger people. He says, I want to exhort you as a fellow elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Shepherd people, he says. Shepherd them. Watch over them. You're you're giving oversight to them. You're paying attention to them. You're watching to see what's happening. You're exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not because you have to, not because you must, not because somebody is forcing you to, not because if, if you didn't, then no one else would, but because God would have you do this. God would have you to lead in this way, to, sh- to shepherd to watch over, to care for. 
not under compulsion, but willingly. In, in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about this kind of shepherding. Jesus says in, in John chapter 10, verse 7, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The, she- the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus Jesus gives us the great example of what it means to be a shepherd for God's people. To watch over the flock and to see all of the needs, all of the things that, that are causing issues and problems, all of the challenges, all of the threats. And he says that I'm watching over my sheep and I see the threats, I see the thieves, I see the robbers, I see those who are coming in to steal and destroy. And while somebody who's just a hired hand might see the wolf and then run away because wolves are scary, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. I'm going to do whatever it takes to love and care for these sheep. In 1 Peter, he says, don't do this under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Do it willingly. Not, not because you have to, not because you're a hired hand, not because somebody told you, hey, you really need to do this. Not because you're trying to impress your parents or somebody else. Not because you're trying to measure up to a certain standard, but because God has called you to love His people. That's why you do it. There can be no other reason for moving into the eldership or pastorate other than for the love of God's people and because He's asked you to. My dad was an elder in the church that I grew up in. And every year he used to go around to everybody in every ministry and go, are you serving under compulsion or willingly? Are you serving under compulsion or willingly? And the reason that he would ask that question is because it was amazing how many people would get into a position of ministry and that after a year or two years or three years they would be tired but they were afraid that if they stepped out of that ministry no one would step in. And so they had to do it. And so my dad would go around every year and go, do you have to do it? Or are you doing it willingly? And from time to time, somebody would go, I, I have to do it. 
And my dad would go, no, you don't have to do it. Yeah, I do. I have to do it. If I don't do this, no one else will. He said, somebody else will. And if they don't, we won't have that ministry for a little while. And that's okay. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Sometimes it's a check for us too, right? Because we find ourselves in a place of ministry where we are serving and we begin to feel like, what a drag. This is so much work. And then when somebody comes along and says, under compulsion or willingly? I have to stop and reevaluate. Am I doing this under compulsion or willingly? Willingly. Okay. Glad we checked. Yeah, I'm glad too. Because it shifts my focus, right? It shifts my emphasis. Am I doing this willingly or under compulsion? Nobody's making me do this. I'm doing this because I want to do this. I'm doing this because I love God and I love His people. I'm doing this because I get to do this. Sure, there are lots of challenges and and lots of issues with it, but I get to do this. God has called me to this. I'm doing it willingly. Are you serving under compulsion or are you serving willingly? Maybe you're at a place where you have to step out for a little bit and take a breather. That's okay. Maybe you just need a check and a reorientation of the way that you're thinking about things and go, oh, actually, I'm serving willingly. I was pretending like it was under compulsion, but I'm not. It's willingly. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. I... I almost laughed out loud when I read that. Because who becomes an elder for shameful gain? You can ask Rick. It doesn't pay well. (laughs) But the reality is that people do. They get into the pastorate. They get into the eldership and they're working the angles. It's really sad to me when I see somebody who has been a pastor for a long period of time and they're tired and they don't really want to be a pastor anymore and so they've set the thing on cruise control. And you go, why why are you still doing this? And come to find out it's because they can't imagine doing anything else. The only reason that they're still in the pastor is because they need the paycheck. And I just want to cry. Because if you're being in the pastorate because you need the paycheck, that is not a good place to be. There are other people that get into that place because they want whatever perks they think comes with it. In fact, in in Ezekiel, God was speaking through the prophet Ezekiel 
to the people of Israel. And this was his criticism. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search for or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the sheep have fed themselves and have not, but they have, the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Those shepherds that move into uh, these positions of perceived authority so that they can take advantage of the sheep. They do it for their own gain. And it's shameful. Look at all the things that they haven't done. The sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. And yet the shepherds wouldn't seek for them. They wouldn't search for them. They wouldn't bring them back. They wouldn't feed them. Verse 4, The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. This is the work that God calls those in leadership in the church to. To see those who are sick and hurting, to see those who are injured, to see those who are being attacked, to bind them up, to walk alongside them, to care for them, to love them, to protect them, to watch over them, to encourage them, to feed them. Because God Himself loves them so much. And that is what He has called us to. And so when you're trying to determine, is this the kind of church that I want to go to? And I'll, I'll admit that as the pastor of this particular congregation, it's a little bit of a challenge for me to go, here's the criteria by which I want you to evaluate my performance. And Andy's, and Rick's, and anybody else who's in leadership here. Here's how I want you to evaluate our performance. Are we caring for you well? Do we love God? 
And do we love you? That's the criteria. Not for shameful gain, not under compulsion, but willingly because God would ask us to and eagerly, right? Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is the way in which we are to lead. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. There is a lot of responsibility in the eldership of the church. There is not a lot of authority in the eldership of the church. Responsibility being those things that you are uh, responsible for, those things that you are um, supposed to do. These are the things that you must do. There's a lot of responsibility in leading God's people. There is not a lot of authority. Authority is the, the ability to tell people, and this is what you will do, to give direction. There's not a lot of, of that in the eldership. It's surprising to me how many people get into eldership or get into a pastorate and they, they think that that's what they will do. I, oh, I'm going to just tell people what to do. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to watch over them, to care for them, to feed them, to protect them. To lead them, yes, but not from behind in telling them what to do, but from the front in being an example to the flock. Which is why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the posture that the elders in the church are to have. That's the the posture that the Sunday school teachers in the church are to have. That's the posture that the life group leaders in the church are to have. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's scary. It's really easy to sit back and evaluate and go, I know what we should do. We should do that. Hey, you all, go do that. That's easy. That's lazy leadership. The challenge is when you go, hey, watch what I'm doing and do likewise. And then I start to critique myself. If everybody in the church were doing what I was doing because I'm leading by example, is this the kind of church I'd want to go to? It's a great privilege for me to work with elders that I would like to follow. To work with elders that I believe are setting a good example to the congregation. That's a great privilege to me. I don't take that for granted. But this is the criteria by which I think that you should be evaluating what we're doing and how we're doing it. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
The glory comes not from the position, not from the role, but from being connected with Jesus. Right? This is the same way that he began this section. That uh, he's a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. We're going to participate in that glory, all of us together. All of us together are going to participate in that glory. And that's where the glory is. Not in being the one who stands up front and preaches. Not in being an elder in the church. But in the expectation that when God comes, when Jesus comes again, He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That as He desires for us to do these things, to care for one another, to love one another, to watch over each other, as He desires for that, then He will be pleased at His coming when we have done it. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It's important to recognize, too, that Jesus is the chief shepherd. That He's the one who has done this far better than any of us might. He's the one in John 10 who laid down His life for the sheep. Seeing their great need, He said, I'm going to take care of that need, and He lays down His life for the sheep. He's not going to run away. He's the one that that, uh, is looking in Ezekiel and saying, this is what I'm seeing the shepherds of Israel doing, and I'm not going to tolerate that, and I'm not going to put up with it. No more will you take advantage of my sheep. Because the chief shepherd is coming back, and he's going to hold the shepherds to account. This is what you must do. Then he transitions in verse 5 and he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now this is the fun part for me, right? This is the part though that gets twisted and taken out uh, uh, in the way that it's used. This is that where somebody who has more of an authoritarian mindset comes and says, you're supposed to be subject to the elders. But if the elders are doing what they want to do, what they're supposed to do, in watching over and caring for and protecting and shepherding, then all you're doing in being subject to them is making it easier for them to care for you. Those of you who have had uh, wayward children, the, the, we, we call them sometimes stubborn or rebellious, and you know, I just really want to be a loving parent and you're making this so hard. Don't be that kind of a sheep that makes it so hard 
to love and care for you. And don't submit to the wrong kind of elder. This is not a blanket statement that says you are to submit to the elders. When churches use it in that way, it is abusive. The kind of elder, the kind of shepherd that you are supposed to be submitting to is the one that is not domineering. To the one that is not doing it for shameful gain. And the one that is not doing it under compulsion. If they are doing it in those ways, these are no longer shepherds, these are wolves. Do not submit to them. Do not submit to them. You are not to submit to them just because they have a title, just because they hold a position, just because they're older than you. These are the ones that the good shepherds should be protecting the sheep from. Do not be subject to them. But for those who are loving for you, loving you and caring for you and watching over you, be subject to them in that you are following their example. The way in which they are to lead, right, is not domineering, but being examples to the flock. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so you are, ought to be subject to them in following where they're going as they follow Jesus. Then they'll bring you to the good pastures. Then they'll lead you along the still waters. Then your soul will be restored. Because you are following them as they bring you to the good shepherd, to the chief shepherd. Be subject to them so that they might do that. And then, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another so that we have humble leadership, humble shepherding, and humble following. As you're trying to decide what kind of a church you want to go to, a humble church, that's the kind of church you want to go to. where the people are humbly following the elders and the elders are humbly leading the people. It takes a lot of humility to follow somebody. I don't want to take that for granted either. When somebody comes to me and says, you're my pastor. That's a special privilege. Because I recognize it takes a lot of humility to follow somebody like that. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. As I was reading commentaries today on this section, Thomas Schreiner in his commentary uh, had this phrase that I loved. He said, humility is the oil that allows relationships in the church to run smoothly and lovingly. 
Isn't that a great phrase? Humility is the oil that allows relationships in the church to run smoothly and lovingly. If the elders are trying to to shepherd and care for the people and the people are trying to follow the elders, it's going to require a lot of humility on the part of both of them to do that well. Otherwise, those gears are going to grind against one another. Otherwise, you end up with places where elders are, are tempted to do a domineering, authoritarian kind of a thing because these sheep are not submitting. And the sheep are, are trying to push back and fight against. And so everything grinds and it makes that awful noise that you just don't want to hear from something, uh, from a machine that's supposed to be working properly. But when there's humility throughout, then everything runs smoothly. The whole thing purrs. And you go, oh, that is the way that it ought to work. What a great thing to have seen in this congregation. Humility on the part of the leadership, the elders that I have worked with in this church. We have often said, you know, we're pretty different than one another. If it wasn't for the humility that I see in my fellow elders, those differences could cause problems. But instead we have a lot of unity despite our differences because of the humility. The way that I have seen people lead here in life groups, the way that I have seen people lead ministries with great humility... It just thrills me to see that. I feel so proud to to be a part of a congregation like this and to be able to say, this is my church. This is our church. This is the way that we work. Praise God for that. Because that is not true of every church. It should be. But unfortunately, it's not. It's painful and there's fighting and there's power plays. And how can you accomplish anything that God would have you accomplish if you're fighting for power and arguing about silly and ridiculous things? But when humbly loving one another and encouraging one another, then there is unity in the flock. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. So when you get into a place where the leadership and the flock are at odds with one another, and you no longer have this humility oil making everything move smoothly, they grind against one another, and God Himself opposes Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Back in Ezekiel 34 again, I just want to read this to you. Picking it up in verse 9, which is about where we left off. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. 
For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been rescued and scattered. That, as a shepherd seeks out his flock among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. They shall, be, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be their shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Here's the reality. God is going to take care of His people. God is going to take care of His people. He has already provided Jesus, the Good Shepherd, to lay down His life for His sheep. So that if any lack humility, if any uh, stray from Him, if any have sin, they might be brought back because He has gone to look for them and will bring them back. So any who are strained and who are not doing the things that He has called them to, to, He will find them and He will bring them back and He has already provided the way back through Jesus. And He will not put up with people taking advantage of His people. He will not put up with serving with wrong motives. Selfish gain. A domineering attitude. He will come back and He will make all things right. And He will lead His people to those places of good food and gentle waters. And so it is my prayer for this congregation and for New Life Church as a whole that we would follow this pattern. That your elders would walk in humility before you, watching over you, caring for you, coming alongside you whenever you need it. That you would feel like you could trust them and reach out to them. We're going to be praying tomorrow morning in that room right there. You can fill out your connection card. We would love to pray for you well. If you need us to follow up with you, make a note. We're happy to do that too. And then I pray that while the elders lead well, that everybody else will follow in that example. Humbly leading and caring for the kids at Awana, 
and at Sunday school, in the life groups, that we would all be shepherding God's people together with great humility and grace so that we might all together partake in the glory when Jesus comes again. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that the only way that we are going to be able to do this is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we thank You that You have sent Jesus, Your Son, to be for us the chief shepherd. To show us an example of what it means to follow You and to love one another. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning. Those who are being attacked because of their faith. Those who are struggling because of physical illness. Those who are struggling because of sin. Those who are hurt because of uh, relationships going the wrong direction. Those who are in need. And Father, I pray that Your people would gather around and care for them. Father, I pray that You as the Great Shepherd would comfort them and provide for all of their needs. And Lord, we ask, would You help us to walk in great humility before You, that we might glorify You in all that we do, according to the name of Jesus. Amen.